during that one one of those scenes where they're imprisoned is like when Lee when they spout their unity duty destiny nonsense stuff again. Yeah, uh, Lee Kahn says nonsense, something about nonsense noir. Don't blaspheme. It's a core tenet of their society. <laughs> Lee Kahn says something about duty, and then when it was says this whole thing sounds like a bunch of duty to me. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, yeah that's, the best, that's the best line in the whole. I argue franchise. that that is the best line. <laughs> so uh, I'm uh, glad that they realized which, what that like, word sounds like. The world like. building implications that Bionicles defecate. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> is lore shattering for that oh dumbass God. joke. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Movie Struck, a podcast about movies and the people who watch them. I'm your host, Sophie Ricciardi, and I am once again joined by Noir and Blue of OSP. Uh, guys, welcome back to the show. Class is in session. <laughs> <laughs> I Did guess you bring my... a bottle of water, uh, Sophia, because we're gonna be here a while. <laughs> I got my, I got my thermos. Uh, I guess you know, let's why waste time? Flipboard, jump... notepad. <laughs> we got more to work through. I got there my will be a test here. at the end of it. <laughs> why, why wait? Let's just jump in, guys. I got a question for you. Same one I ask every time. Uh, why did we watch Bionicle Two: Legends of Metro Nui? You guys, our work was unfinished. Yeah. <laughs> There's, there was a sequel and people demanded it, so yeah, that's really, we that's we really were it. people. We demanded we, it. We were people. We started it. We may yes. have uh, we may have fanned the flames a lot. Listeners of the podcast will remember a while back when both these guys are back here to talk about the first Bionicle movie, and y'all liked it so much that we're doing the second one. Oh boy. Uh, okay. <laughs> Everything we learned in the first. <laughs> I'm so happy that that we're here doing this. <laughs> when I rewatched it, it reaffirmed everything that I was thinking about it. Like when I had my nostalgia glasses on, and so uh, I, I'm pleased. I'm Once again, I knew absolutely this. nothing going into this movie because so little of the lore carried over from the first movie. So it really was like going in blind to an entirely secondary film. Although it does open very similarly on a big glowing it sky does. beam in the middle of a perfectly gray CGI sea. I will give this movie that the CGI is better than the first one. <laughs> yeah. But the design <laughs> of the areas are still exactly the same. So everything is just sort of flat. Flat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> better textures, no better lighting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We zoom in to see everyone's favorite tall rocks. Now it's slightly better CGI as voiceover kicks in and we listen once more to the legend of the Bionicle. Uh, this time we don't learn the three tenets of their whatever's but we do uh hear about a time before our time in a city uh, called metro nui where the toa were protectors but all the toa were taken out by a uh, great darkness r.i.p uh, and at this we see the title of the movie bionicle legends of metro nui wow well okay market improvement from the first one it's actually talking about like it's actually properly setting up the events yes. of this movie yes so. i will give that the voiceover that it is relevant to the plot of the movie <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah we now see a bionicle staring through a crack that begins to widen as they reach in and turn and grab a rock and as they grab said oblong glowing rock they shoot a second smaller beam into it and begin to walk away when a voice i can only describe as wato adjacent says the last <laughs> toa and a big rock nearly falls on him you're not wrong <laughs> i know i'm not wrong <laughs> 
a spidery looking bad guy attacks and the Toa does some fancy jumping to get to a bridge outside of this room, which ends up getting him stuck between two monsters. And in order to escape, he jumps off of the side of the bridge and uses his flying skateboard to fly away. All right. There's already a lot here that we can attack. <laughs> I think there's I, plenty we can work with. Noir, take oh, us to class. Yeah. <laughs> I think there was a I think there was a line in that sequence that was like, "You lost the right to call me brother long ago." Uh, the, no, that's the later little, on in the like, movie. Later. Oh, it's later. Okay, that's later. I'll say, I know because I specifically later, noted then. that, and I was like, "Oh, great, the twist." Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, um, so th- one thing that's established here is that, and, and also like in sort of the the future montage where he's taking the the toa stones is what they're called so here yes. they sort of they, they sort of like codify and and legitimize this concept of like it's canonically called toa power which is just like some abstract inherent power that toa have and that makes them like stronger more powerful i think it's what sort of like is behind their everything to being a toa uh one can transfer their toa power into a toa stone uh, which basically is like, I don't know, putting, like charging a battery, I guess. And then the purposes for the Toa Stone will be later on. Something that was also introduced within these first few minutes. Uh, bounty hunters are a thing. That's yeah. who those monsters are. Uh, there so is an inter- it, hold on. So mm-hmm. if they're, bounty hunter is like a prof- profession, is this like mm-hmm. a class of, like a type of bionicle or? Right. So last, uh, last time in, in the first movie, there were like, five sort of classifications of bionicle there are the matoran who are the, the the working class the toa who are sort of the elite warriors the taraga who would be the elders those are sort of the main three there are also rahi which are basically like all of the wildlife and non-sapient non-intelligent sort of like uh animal type beings uh and then i'm including makuta as a fifth one uh because it turns out that makuta is not just a single being uh, Makuta refers to like an entire brotherhood of people. Um, oh, they they retcon this later on. His name is actually Makuta Teradax, but like in the first couple movies, it's not important. He's just known as the He's, Makuta. They, they call yeah, they call him the Makuta. Mm-hmm. So like even even the commas like there's only one. But yeah. in that case, what what classification would the Rakshi fall under? Would that be like part of like the Makuta, or are oh, they like like fancy evil Rahi? So I, I I guess yeah they I guess they would be Rahi, but they're we're basically sort of opening the idea to like there's more than just like these types of bion. Like it's not yeah. just Mator and Toa and Taraga. Yeah. There's mm. there there are other just beings out there, uh, yeah. and I guess the main organization, uh, like third organization but behind like there's the matoran people which toa fall under then there's the makuta which we later learn on to be like the makuta brotherhood but that's not important for the purposes of this movie and then there are the bounty hunters um lee Khan, which we learn his name is uh used to be or is uh a toa of metru nui uh there there were like i think like i could be getting my facts wrong like a thousand hundreds of yeah, toa. i was gonna say like hundreds Mm-hmm. that were that were guarding Metro Nui, but then there was a giant bounty hunter Toa war, basically, that wiped everyone out except for Lee Khan, and then he became like the sole protector of Metro Nui. Um that's why you can see like in later scenes like statues of him are, are fucking everywhere. Yeah, he's, um, he's a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh Yeah. But There's also a lot there. one of these bounty hunters used to be a Toa. 
Yes. Jumping ahead that, ever so slightly. That's they the used whole, to be a toe, which is why yeah. it was like, ah, brother, until Willie Khan's like, get that fucking brother name out of your mouth. Don't you mm-hmm. talk like that? Because uh, that that evil like little spidery guy, bounty hunter, used to be a Toa before the Dark Hunter Wars. That makes sense because both of them do just. There's two bounty hunters that'll be throughout this film. Yeah. Prominent. It's the spidery looking guy and the big kind of like yeah. ogrey guy, and both of them are just wearing masks that look like they were made from the same exact mold as the ice guy and like one of the other yeah. Bionicle. Yeah. yeah. He's got the one eye thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Nidiki uh, is the spidery guy's name, and Kreka is the Wado adjacent. Uh, Very Abbott and Costello dynamic. <laughs> yeah, basically. I think canonically, like they were paired together because, like, I think the leader of the Dark Hunters were like they'd be a good team. Uh, Kreka can blindly follow orders, and Nidiki kind of has that power complex, so <laughs> they they can keep each other in check inadvertently. <laughs> so that's what it is. But yeah, Nidiki betrayed Toa Likon and the rest of the Toa during the Dark Hunter Wars. Um, he was banished and exiled because he was caught, so both parties ended up not liking him. Uh, and then he got mutated and turned into that spidery creature uh, by a character that actually shows up in, I think... Actually, I don't, I don't know. I think I've heard two conflicting things. One of them is, like, a character that shows up in the third movie. The other one is, like... Yeah, that makes sense. Some random Dark Hunter. I think it might be the leader of the Dark Hunters. Anyway, that's not important. Yes, it is. <laughs> Literally nothing is important. That's why we have to talk about all of it. <laughs> all right. Proceed. So continuing with like half narration and half continuing on, uh, we go to the various different locations where various different Matorans will be handed a rock by Lika, Lincoln, Lincoln, Lincoln Park. Lincoln yeah. Park. Lincoln Park's going to go hand out some rocks. We go to Gal Metro where... Uh, Likan delivers the stone to one of the little blue Matorans that are all the chicks. Um, except there's like a male voiceover during this part, which I thought was very funny. She is no comma. I wrote all their names down at the top of the script, and then I didn't remember any of them as soon as all of them were in the same room together. So they're all just going to be referred to by I what also, color toy they were. <laughs> yeah, aside yeah. from like... Except for Simon the main no guy, comma. yeah. I'm going to refer to all of them as the first generation Toa, two. So green guy, <laughs> Liwa, two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I do appreciate how they actually take the time to fucking spell out the Toa's names. Yeah. So they yes. actually Not know. Only... They spell it out in... Uh, English, <laughs> sure, but also language. in the Matoran language. Which is really cool. <laughs> but not only do they take the time to do that, they freeze frame the actual action of the yes. scene. They don't yes. even hold on the shot. They freeze frame, which is mm-hmm. far more jarring. And you sit on it for a while for yeah. every they, single one of them. It's there like are like these seconds. weird. There are these weird editing quirks like throughout the movie. There's this one scene. Yes. yes. Yeah, Why are all the wipes like, so fast? The, the wipes <laughs> are really fast. They like. It's it. it, it I kind of had this idea that, like, there is this one scene where the director is like, you need to prolong this for, like, three or so seconds. And instead of, like, continuing to animate or whatever, they just, like, lengthened the end of it. So they slowed it down ever so slightly. Because, um, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, like, a weird little thing. But, yeah. yeah, and my understanding is that each of the different Matorans in each of these different places have, like, a job that they do, but I didn't note all of them down. Uh, Pometro's next. This is where they're all builders and Oniwa is the one who gets handed a rock. Onumetro looks very new. This is where archivists are and Wenua gets a rock. 
Le Metro. Le Metro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go on, go on. You're doing good. Uh, Matorin is testing a motorcycle. I guess it's where the stunt drivers live. Also gets a rock. Uh, Co-Metro, which seems to be where precogs hang out. This is where the ice guy came from, <laughs> I assume. Nuju gets a rock. Uh, Ta Metro, which seems to just be the base set I assume you would get because it's the fire one. This is where uh, the person we see is actually going to matter somewhat because uh, yeah. we meet Vakama, the mask maker. I do like that we like go through deliberately like every single mm-hmm. one of the metros like holding on these establishing shots of all these cities that some concept artist for the Greg Farshti book spent a long time working on and then they're like <laughs> yeah. we have to get all of these shots it, it fucks the pacing I don't care we got to establish every <laughs> single thing no we're never going to go to any of these places again because the yeah. rest of this movie takes place in the fucking woods we're going to yeah. spend a lot of time <laughs> concepting <laughs> out and animating all of these metros I didn't it takes even, like, place think in about the that. woods is a general description of the landscapes that we'll see they like, going forward they like with like the maps that you see it suggests that like the entire city of metro nui is is just civilization which first of all like i think it's pretty cool that they make that they do take the time to juxtapose like the island you know paradise of Matanui uh, in the first movie versus like this very clearly like civilization thing and um you kind of see like parallels of each of the elemental the uh, villages into cities and like kind of seeing how uh they would be utilized in like a more uh city like industry type uh type of way uh it's very funny though that the pomatorans are just like sculptors it does <laughs> in both matanui and metronui still <laughs> it's just bigger basically um but yeah like the the map sort of like suggests if you look at maps like they all sort of have like these like little details that sort of suggest that it, the whole thing is a city, but then the rest of the movie occurs in like in the woods and in, in the wilderness. Yes. And the, yeah. And, yeah, something it, that the the characters will describe as a desert, but I, a viewer, was incapable of discerning any meaningful landmarks from. Well, they chose the desert because it was flat. <laughs> it can be flat. <laughs> the limitations of two thousand four CGI technology. Yeah, so we're in Ta Metro right now, which is where Vakama is hanging out. He is a mask maker. Uh, this is the first time that I, in my understanding, a mask, like, how the masks come to be is referenced. Mm-hmm. Is this yep. how you get more Matoran? So, or... so that's an interesting point. I don't oh, think no. it's ever established how Matoran are made. I think, it, like, I don't know, there's, like, some, uh, there's probably an explanation later on, like, in a book <laughs> or in a Q&A on a forum somewhere. Um, no, they're just making masks, uh, fun, like... So there are there are classifications for masks. Most Matoran uh, are able to don what are called powerless masks. So like visually, they could be the same as like what a Toa would be wearing, um, or even a Turaga, but they don't have mask powers, which is kind of a, a big theme uh, throughout this movie. Um, and then there are great Kanoka masks, Kanohi masks, which are basically the masks that Toa wear. They have mask powers, yada yada. And then Turaga wear noble. Uh, masks so you can have like uh like a given model of mask it can be either powerless great or noble and they might have like subtle aesthetic changes um noble masks uh have the same mask power as great ones just on a lesser scale that's why you saw in matanui uh or in mask of light uh nokama was was still able to translate the mask of light spoilers that's her mask power um, just not on a, a greater, not as big a scale as she would have been when she was a Toa. Toa. 
That's um, so much more setup and payoff or like yeah. planting and establishing yeah. than I would ever have expected from these movies. <laughs> yeah. And then they also introduced the concept of Kanoka discs. Yeah. Yes, which are the things you use to make the masks. Yep. Uh, that's just... Every wave of Bionicle has a projectile, and that's based, that's just the projectile for, like, the first couple of waves. Very yeah. quickly, though, in, 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 like, the actual Bionicle toy line, they upgrade to basically cannons, like, yeah, small cannons that are... Yeah, ball shooters. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and I think that's very funny. I remember but those. They had to have oh. some fierce warning labels about the dangers of shooting yeah. your eye out with those things. Yeah, some fierce yeah. warning labels about choking hazards. Yeah. yeah. But back in ye olden days, uh, they were just basically these plastic discs that you you would put into a little pincher type thing, and then it's just like uh, like live hinge type plastic, yeah. yeah. And they can just pinch on it, and it'll shoot it out. Yeah. Um, I do. Um, yeah. On the subject of all the mask making, I like that one of the ones that Vakama's laboring on is literally like there's a draft mask of light in yeah. there. Yeah. That was one of the failed prototypes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if the mask of light was because like some of them some of the masks like like some of the greater masks i don't think are made by matoran like most of the masks you can kind of tell are, are made by matoran there, there's like this whole how can you, in, like, the... wait, wait wait how how do you how tell what <laughs> what do you mean what they're all plastic <laughs> wait what no i'm talking about in the movie or like in the in the lore in the in, yeah. the in the world like how do you how would you tell like if you looked at a mask how do you know well, if it's powerful, then it's kind of 50-50 in whether it was... Visually. <laughs> Visually, I, I don't know. It glows. Fuck it. I don't know. <laughs> um, it, it's a tactile thing. You can tell, like, you tap it and it goes, ding, 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 or kind yeah. of dunk, dunk, dunk. Yeah, exactly. Oh, fucking no. I also lost my train of thought, so let's just keep going. Right. So this is Vakama. Uh, he's making mess. Also, he has this little guy in the background of like one shot that's just like <laughs> yeah. moving some discs and mass around. Oh, and no. I needed so much more of whatever he was because I'm like, there's a weird like Star Wars tint to this movie in the way that it is edited and like designed. And this little guy was giving big droid energy in the best possible yeah. way. Uh, but yeah. he's only in about one second of the movie. So as we get that was that was the second. (laughs) That was the second. Yeah. Um, Lakama is seeming to have some struggle with whatever mask he's trying to make when he is approached by the last Toa, Toa Lika, Liwa, Lincoln Park, Lincoln, um, uh, and handed a rock. When evil laughter starts to kick up, and from a pile of discarded masks, a big evil spider guy, the bounty hunter, pops up. This is where the brother line happens, uh, and this is, I guess, they declare the last time that they'll face off and square up. Another bad guy busts in from the ceiling, and as they're all monologuing, the first one spots Vakama, who manages to drop a bucket on the second guy, but is captured by the first, dangled over a bunch of fire, and this causes the last Toa to stand down to keep him from dropping Vakama into the fire. And then he is promptly electric handcuffed. This is not looking good for anyone. Um, It looks like the bad guy is going to drop Vakama into the fire anyway, but the Toa kicks his hoverboard over and it catches Vakama and flies him straight out of the room. Vakama then has a vision where the narrator tells him to save the heart of Metro Nui, and then he touches the rock and it becomes a mask, but then flies off in his mystical vision. As he busts through a vent, um, the Toa is taken away, and all he can do is scream no one and blame himself. I do love that the way this escape is choreographed Toa Likon is in a situation where Vakama's going to get dropped into like a vat of lava unless he stands down. And then he stands down and he gets dropped in anyway. Classic villain stuff. 
Yeah. But Lee Khan could have just used his magic flying surfboard anyway yeah. and not gotten captured, which is another symptom of what happens in the first movies where the power scaling of, like, who wins in a fight is completely arbitrary. <laughs> yeah. Because also, like, in that first scene uh, in, the, in the temple thing when Nadiki and, and Lee Khan are fighting, like, when, when Lee Khan is trying to, like, get away on his hoverboard, he's dodging Nadiki's blast, but then he gets hit straight up with one of them, but then he's fine, he recovers, he's and fine. so, like, power scaling as well. I also like, yeah. uh, you, you can sort of see in that shot when Nadiki, like, jumps out or whatever, he's hiding among the masks, you can, like, see him, and I do like the idea that he took the time to think <laughs> to do that. <laughs> yeah, he had to get there early enough that no one was there so he could pile masks over well, himself. Not even, because you see, like, the shadow of him moving along, so somehow he was able to, like, Just bury himself in, 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 the, yeah. in the pile of masks or whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, a spooky, spooky evil voice decrees that Makama must hand him the Mask of Time, so that's the MacGuffin mask of this particular movie. Um... Vakama finds the rock that was handed to him by the Toa and laments that he should have done something. Now they have no Toa whatsoever when a voice that also sounds evil, but I think is just old, speaks to him, telling him not to blame himself. It's Turaga Tuma. All, almost immediately after this, I will be 100% certain that Tuma is the secret bad guy of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, but yeah, yeah, for the purposes of this, yes. Uh, yep, Turagaduma. He used to be a Toa, and then he became he, he gave up his Toa power. When you give up your Toa power, you become a Turaga, basically. Like yeah. you, when you have, when you have fulfilled your your Toa destiny, you can choose you to give up your power. Die then... or you become old. These are the only yep. two options. Uh, and then Turagaduma, I think at this point has been like ruling over, and like like being the ruler of Metronui for like I don't know a few hundred years. Time is weird in this universe. Like there is no there's no aging. Extremely. The only yeah, the only aging that occurs is when they turn into Turaga, basically. And that isn't even, like, on a standard time scale. You choose, you can choose to become a Turaga, basically. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I, I was kind of struck by how immediately watching it as an adult, I'm like, oh, wow, like, Turaga Doom is, like, super, like, obviously extremely evil. Oh, the evil. bad guy? Yeah. And you look at, like, all of the shots when he's, like, doing his announcements and yeah. shit, and I'm like, yeah! What? The lighting Whoa. is ominous, and there yeah. are clear, he's saying, like, trust my goons, and I'm like, yeah, no, this yeah, is... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I was the thinking, other thing... like, as a kid, I was fooled. <laughs> I know, yeah, me too. I was like, oh, he's yeah. a leader, I should trust him implicitly. Um, but also the mask of time uh, circling back towards that <laughs> so the mask of time was like this sort of in lore is sort of like this mythical uh mask so there are your regular masks some of the which can become are powerful and like toa can wield but there are three distinct masks that are like i think considered like great masks of power like really like, these are like the highest echelon because these uh alter like the fabric of space and time itself those are um, the Mask of Life, not the Mask of Light, um, which sort of becomes a prominent thing in sort of the, the last waves of my Bionicle. Uh, the Mask of Creation, which doesn't really feature in this wave, but actually is like the MacGuffin for the G2 version of Bionicle that came out in like 2015, 2016. And the Mask of Time. Um, I find it wild that some scrub can create a mask that can alter the fabric of time like that. Um, 
but I guess that's how it'd be. <laughs> yeah, based on how much they actually used the Mask of Time, I'm not too surprised that they weren't too concerned about how to... Like, the first movie that we watched, it was all about finding that Mask of Light, baby. Yeah. You gotta, yeah. gotta find that mask so you can find that toe or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. This one, it feels like the Mask of Time is a little bit of an afterthought, other than it is the thing that the villain wants. Yeah, it, like... This is meant to sort of, like, answer a plot point uh, that never features in the movie. This is, like, part of, like, the the, the general lore uh, of Bionicle. My old favorite part of this episode. Things so when... that are in Bionicle lore relevant to the movie but never mentioned within the context of the film. So, the, um, in, like, the third wave of Bionicle with, like, Tahu and Gali and Liwa and uh, all those guys, uh, they get, like, an upgrade, which basically means that Bionicle, the company, can afford to release new toys that are of the same characters. They're like, oh, they're, they're new, huh? Um, in that wave, they're fighting against the villains, uh, which are like upgraded versions of the Borok, uh, that one The Borok Call, I think? Yep, Borok Call, uh, which is like that one creature that got frozen by Kopaka in the first movie. Um, with a... Uh, in that uh, Turaga Vakama at that point hands Tahu the Mask of Time and is like, only use it in the most dire of circumstances. Uh, and then Tahu, Tahu tries to use it and then cannot control it. And so he just like doesn't end up using it. And then now the writers are like, well, now we just have this really powerful mask and we don't really know how it got here. So that's how it got here. Vakama made it. I think this is also the first mask that was like modeled by the Bionicle group because if you look at early promotional material for for Bionicle, you can see like a creature that has like Tahu's flame sword and stuff, uh, and he's wearing the mask of time. Oh, so wow, I can see like as like a, a great like them grandfathering this mask in and making it important. Um, but I think it gets used twice in the entire like run of Bionicle. In both instances, the person wielding it does not know how to control it. <laughs> <laughs> that anyway, feeling. That's. That's that over. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tuma shows up and he tells Vakama that he's a mask maker, not a Toa, and demands the mask of time, but it's not ready yet. Uh, Vakama hasn't made it, and he needs better discs in order to do so. Tuma tells him to bring the complete mask by the time of the contest, and at this point, I had a deep, deep fear in me that I was going to have to watch another fictional sport, but fear not. Um, in a foggy, mossy temple, the other uh, Matoran who receives stones all gather, including Vakama. The blue one goes on to say that they're all similar yet unique, uh, which I was like, oh, is this the duty of this whole movie? But it's... (laughs) (laughs) And one of them talks about being hot and the other squabble for what seems like no reason. So we're getting like really quick, just a glance around the dynamic of this group because we do need to establish it pretty much in this scene uh, in order (laughs) to give them some character other than Toa who aren't Vakama. (laughs) I'm trying to remember if, like, these Matoran knew each other, like, beforehand. Because it's not like everyone is confined solely to their metro, to their, yeah. like, individual city. They, like, collaborate and, and work with each other. I don't know if... I'm trying to... Re- I don't remember why it was these six Matoran specifically that were chosen. I- I'm trying to remember if, like, as Matoran, they were actually prominent figures in their, you know, given metro or whatever. I honestly don't remember, though. So I, I don't think there's... At least, I mean, I... I'm speaking from less background knowledge, but the way they talk to each other implies they don't know who each other actually are because they very generically yeah. call each other by like the stereotype yeah. like occupation. Yeah. Pahatu they... too calls him like, "Oh, like you're you're a real hothead, aren't you?" Instead yeah. of calling him like, "Oh, hey, Vakama, what's up?" <laughs> yeah, enough. it Fair seems enough. that they all knew 
Leekon. Like, he yeah. seemed to know all of them, but I don't think they... From the context of the movie, it does not seem like they knew each other. But as I am sure everyone listening is well aware, that is really no indicator of the wider Bionicle lore. <laughs> the blue one puts her rock inside of a big stone dome in the middle of the room, and the rest follow suit. And as they do, a mask levitates like uh, Zordon and the Power Rangers and tells them to prove yeah. themselves worthy before the whole dome rises into the air and lightning strikes them all, turning them into the Toa. They all grew up. Um... They're all basically on board immediately and also just have weapons that felt deeply merchandisable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean... It's, it's all it's the toy basic. weapons. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. I think in, like, the junior novelization of this movie, there there's, like, a rack of tools that just, like, mm-hmm. opens up somewhere and they, and they choose those specific ones. But here they just kind of, like, I guess we morphed with them, yeah. question mark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they're all tied to their specific personalities or something. They're all different. Uh, the one that's most of note is there's two. The blue girl gets like two claw hammery things, and the they're the like Kama flippers. gets a disc launcher. A f- what? Yeah. Yeah, the Nakama, you're talking about Nakama, the blue one. Yeah. That yeah, it's they're like they're flippers. So each uh, I think so all the weapons, uh, at least in these first few waves, have like the weapon function and then also like an additional transportation function which actually you, crops up okay. later in this movie noir i need to know how what is the transportation function of the disc launcher which seems to just shoot discs from a distance canonically it's a jetpack no <laughs> that's so cool that's so stupid <laughs> no i love it i do love yeah. that uh that nokama's like hammer thingies are essentially just the blades of chaos. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. But I think I think they're they're meant to be flippers, which is why she like is talking about how they're like graceful and balanced. Because like in the toy, you basically attach them to her feet. And I think mm-hmm. also in like some promotional like animated material, you can see her using them as like like water shoes. Most okay. of them are shoes, basically. <laughs> uh, yeah. Except for Matau, who has wings, so he was the coolest. Yeah. Oh, yes. Onua too. His like his diggy guys also yeah. kind of look like shoes <laughs> uh little on, shovel wait. guys on, they look very anua? shoe-like anua or anua <laughs> because these oh, are not wenua onua too okay the, gotcha. yeah yeah oh my god the onutoa yeah so, there's oh man yeah well uh, those are like pythons basically those are like climbing yeah. pythons and so the, the, they're already a transportation thing yeah. inherently so nah. Uh, all the new Toa turn to Takawa and ask what happened to the last Toa and he tells them uh, the first 10 minutes of the movie and that their job is now to save Metronui and prove themselves worthy uh, when he has another vision this time of the destruction of Metronui and the great discs flying towards him he relays this information and they all come to the conclusion that they have to go to each Metru and get its great disc um, they each plan to get their own disc and uh looks like like the brown one kind of like walks off angstily i guess there's some tension this won't pay super big dividends the movie at this point i was like oh so the whole movie's gonna be like all of their distinct personalities playing off each other no uh (laughs) there's like two dynamics that you'll need to clock later on also all of this is overheard by an evil bird which flies off to inform his boss of what's up uh yeah yeah it's astounding that the ensuing sequence of getting all the great Kanoka discs takes 
five seconds. Five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so like uh, canonically, like they they mention like there are lines in here. It was like this morning I was a Matoran and now I'm a Toa. Like apparently this whole adventure of, of like great Kanokidas that were hidden in this city seem to not but, be particularly difficult to find. So this was like one of the major gripes that I have about this movie because uh, that whole like thirty second sequence are like is like a whole book's worth of adventures. There's that one scene at the end where Fakama is like roped up by like this fiery vine type thing. That is a plant called the Morbuzak, which was like at that time uh, afflicting the city. Uh, and it was an entire other adventure uh, that the Toa had gone on uh, in the process of collecting these Kanokidas to defeat the Morbuzak. Like that's a whole thing that they just entirely skimmed over and apparently cut out entirely because uh, uh, I guess this took place in the span of a day. If anything, yeah, it's so. it's unfortunate that we missed out on what would have been a much more interesting movie, <laughs> seeing all these adventures. Yeah. yeah, you can read about it in the comics. They're graphic. Yeah, novels. but fine. for the sake of the movie, we just get a uh, little voiceover as the blue one reads a mural and talks about how the great disc can be found by seeking the unfamiliar and the familiar, which means nothing. And then there's just a montage of them finding the discs. There's Mostly, it's them all falling with just style. Isn't anything. Yeah, yeah, they're all successful with very little incident. A voiceover tells the populace of a city, Metro Nui, about the disappearance of Toalika, uh, and it's totally not the evil Tuma. Ha ha ha, he's framed so normally and good. Yep. <laughs> the new Toa then all enter this arena where Tuma recognizes Takama and mocks him for not yet making the Mask of Time, even though he has become this uh, warrior thing um, that apparently everyone in the society uh, respects. They present the Great Discs and pledge themselves to Metro Nui, but Tuma's just like, you all still have to prove yourselves with deeds, not gifts. And the arena begins to change as this, like, protoplasm or something. The Protodermis. Floor, protodermis. <laughs> yeah. The floor turns into, like, funky cylinders and stuff and shoots up and gets all uh, environmentally hazardous. <laughs> Turaga Duma's whole thing very much feels like those old myths of, like, Hercules gets to a kingdom... And it's like, Very let me so. let me be here for the reason that I want to be here. And the king is like, no, go do nah. this bullshit. And he's <laughs> yeah. like, okay. And the king's like, go do this other bullshit. And he's like, okay. I have no choice yeah. but to take you at your word. Because um, Taragadum is just like, haha, you have arrived just like I asked you to. Now do all this other stuff instead. <laughs> that line that Taragaduma says, where it's like, uh, Toa are presenting themselves making the souls worthy with deeds not simple gifts is even more funnier if you try and like reconcile that in the greater lore of bionicle because again they went through all these other adventures like destroying the morbuzak which was like this actual thing that was plaguing the city and then like they show up and they're like and Turaduma doom is like nah that's not a thing you got to do something more which yeah. actually it makes sense because he is the bad guy <laughs> and so he's actively trying to like deter uh, the yeah. Toa from, I think also, um, okay, <laughs> so, <laughs> how, okay, here, here's a question, I don't know that everyone's, that's on everyone's minds, why did Lee Khan choose these six Toa specifically? Well, um, so, there is, uh, another order, I think it's called the Order of Matanui, um, they were tasked with choosing the next Toa, basically. Bionicle um, Freemasons, I love it. Sure. I was thinking like yeah. that thing where everyone gets together to pick the Pope and then they like smoke goes up in the... Yeah, oh. conclave of Bionicle Cardinals. <laughs> so what happened was... Uh, so Vakama, Nakama, and all those six, um, they were like the true Toa. 
I think canonically, like, Matoran who are destined to be Toa have Toa power in them, and it just takes, like, additional Toa power from an external source to, like, kind of kickstart it and turn them into Toa. So that's what them being struck by the lightning is, really. Um, so there are destined, there are Matoran who are destined to be Toa. Like, they, they are innately different than the other Matoran. Uh, and so this council, they choose, they, they discover and they determine that it's those six, but then they're like, oh, wait, no, but Makuta is going to, like, plague the mind of whoever's going to deliver these stones and realize that it's going to be, you know, these six, and then trying to deter us from making these six Matoran uh, new Toa. Here's what we'll do. We're going to act like these other six Matoran uh, are, are, are the Toa, and we're going to publicly say, Likon, you know, deliver these Toa, deliver these Toa stones to these six. And then what Makuta does is like, he, he goes with his plan, he goes through with his plan, he's like, no, no, you don't want these six uh, Matoran, you should, you you need to choose these six Matoran, uh, and the, and the, and the six that, uh, is, that Likon is diverted to are the actual six Matoran. So it's like this weird, like, double-crossy thingy. Um, in which Makuta fully thinks that Bakama and Nakama and all the rest of those Toa are not meant to be Toa. Which kind of is funny then, because, like, I guess it kind of uh, reaffirms everything that, like, Duma is saying throughout this movie, where it's like, they're just Matoran and Toa armor, yada yada. They're not meant to be Toa, even though oh, they are Oh, because he really does think they are just random I Well, I think Matorans. at this point, I think at this point he knows, because, again, like, not every Matoran has Toa power in them. And so, I guess, them turning into Toa is, like, a a pretty stark indication yeah. that yeah, they, I guess they were meant to be the Toa, yeah. but that's still not going to stop Makuta Turagaduma from being all like, nah. But yeah, yeah. anyway. Uh, but they all give their disc to Takawa as the arena begins to get a little shaky and uh, decide to use their mask powers to prove themselves. Except they're all not quite uh, there yet with the whole mask power thing. They're immediately pretty quickly on the ropes and handily defeated as the crowd begins to turn on them for not being the powerful warriors that they all expected. Tuma calls them jesters, scathing, and then accuses them <laughs> of being imposters responsible for Toa uh, Likan's demise. And Takama, recognizing the evil monsters next to Tuma, which again, it feels like literally anyone could have looked at them and thought, hmm, those are the bad guys. Yeah. Uh, and he keeps insi- Tuma keeps insisting to, like, these guys will protect you all. And I'm like, those are the those are the monsters like (laughs) standing in the arena Um, i think they're also he's also referring to equally sinister like stormtrooper type characters they're called vaki which aren't creatures they are i think machines that were created by a matoran and they're just created to be peacekeepers basically in a city that apparently needs like hordes of vaki to be peacekeepers yeah um it's astounding yeah. that after all their adventures finding those great Kanoka discs, they're bested by, like, some pillars and wind in an yeah, arena. a cyclone, yeah. a little bit of rock. Uh, because they're not gelling together. They they, yeah. they all fucked yeah. off on their own. Unity was the theme of the last movie, Noir. We're in yeah. a different well, one now. <laughs> it's the same thing again. Then except maybe, this time. I hate to say <laughs> it, maybe in the opening monologue, they should have said the three tenets of our society are duty, <laughs> unity, and destiny, because that was not communicated. To the <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. It's basically like the whole... The whole character dynamic of the six Toa are the same in the first movie as they are in the second. They were separate, and then they need to learn how to work together. Except this time, you're not actually focusing on some two other random Matoran who are less, like, 
interesting to sort of deal you with. Don't forget them entirely. Around. They might still pop up. You don't know. There's a lot of movie <laughs> left to go through. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, but Tuma orders the Toa, quote unquote, to be seized, and the arena turns into a big old dust tornado, sucking up three of the Toa. The blue one manages to keep from being blown away uh, by slamming her flippers into the ground. Uh, but a bunch of enemies are around, so she grabs Takama and he uses the disc launcher to take down a statue which collapses and sends the bad dude spinning away into the air. Also, the green one is with those two. So basically, we have split the Toa in half. Tuma's goons tell him that they won't fail at Spider Guy and Ogre Man and the <laughs> Toa trio, green, blue, and uh, was it Takama. Uh, they yeah. make their escape using the power of what I have to assume is a sewer to flee the city by jumping into it. This is where we see the flippers in their transport mode as uh, the blue one swims and the other two hold onto a rock and fly at great speed away from Metro Nui. Those um, aren't sewers those are like transport chutes basically that's like the thing that live metro is really known for like the, the like establishing this industry and like a, a network of what are they transporting various cargoes and goods basically okay. boxes with stuff in them yeah <laughs> what it's is like in your mind a good or a cargo that that these matoran would need to have for their you know, society this is not me trying to nitpick more this is genuine curiosity rocks. about like what you <laughs> rocks for the sculptors Ice for to... the people in Kometru. <laughs> so, there are animals, which makes me think that they can eat. So, so maybe there's food as well. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, back in a suspiciously similar looking dome to where the guys all put their rocks into the thing and became Toa, evil eyes are upset that the Mask of Time is not yet completed, and Tuma assures them that when... The Vaki fails. It will assure every Matoran's fate. And at this point, they were just saying words. Uh, yeah. I don't know what any of that meant. I just know he's it, a bad guy and he wants the mask of time. It is weird yeah. that Taraga Duma is talking to a bunch of red evil eyes when he's already he's, Makuta in disguise. Yeah, yeah right? exactly. Who's he talking so to? Who's he talking <laughs> he's to? He's basically just talking to himself. Yeah, extended monologue. The scene is a metaphor in for the internal monologue that Makuta's having. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, in the ice metro, one of the bad guys threatens a Matoran to reverse the flow, and our hero's escape is thwarted as they're sent rocketing back in the direction they'd been going uh, in whatever sort of transport tube it is that they're in. Once again, the blue one does the hard carry for the team, grabbing a hold of the wall and catching the others, but a big piece of hexagon knocks them out of the stream, and we hard cut to the other Toa, who are <laughs> in a prison cell. <laughs> Get ready for some really weird decisions as to when they decide to meanwhile back <laughs> the, the editing ranch. of this movie, as someone who edits for a living, the editing of this movie is fascinating to me. In that A, it's animated, so literally every choice is in their hands. They could cut at any point that they wanted to. And B, mm -hmm. the way that they transition, like they love, this is I think what was giving me the big Star Wars energy, is they love a wipe. And it's the yeah, specific yeah. angle of wipe that Star Wars usually uses. But it's not as like feathered on the edges and it's super fast. It's like less than a second. <laughs> yeah. 
but we hard cut this time to the black and brown Toas in a cell lamenting their current captivity. White Toa also there. White Toa is extra sad, but then a secret little yellow old man pops up, and we wipe back to our trio of heroes. Who, who could are- it be? <laughs> who could it be? You never know. They don't know. He's wearing a mask on top of his mask <laughs> to, to hide his identity. I didn't know who this was because it hadn't occurred to me that like that one guy from the beginning of the movie would still be alive. I'm like, he's going to become a bad guy. He's going to be one of the bounty hunters. Because I was like, oh, all the bounty hunters are just the previous Toa corrupted. That's how they got there. So surely Leekon is now yeah. also a bad guy and they're going to have to face their old friend. Uh, he's, spoiler alert, he's this old man. <laughs> yeah, which then makes it a very fascinating choice uh, for Makuta, Targaduma to put them all together in the same cell. Yeah. You know, yeah. like someone who has had... Did they just de- have like, one cell and they're like, wow, shit, I guess we got to put them all in here. Yeah. Yeah. It's per- apparently where all of like the important plot point stuff are. Like, it just in this place is one room yeah because yeah. Yeah. we don't really know where they are but we'll it's luckily be conveniently placed it's astounding that like one the toa don't recognize like who is otherwise a brand new taraga they would presumably have to have like known something doesn't add up here like there are there are only so many taraga around because like all the other toa died so <laughs> like clearly this person they don't even question it's like hello new random friend who's been under here for i guess thousands of years it's the mysterious old man law of movies and tv where like if yeah. a mysterious old man just shows up just roll with it there's probably gonna yeah. give you some like prophecy powers or something it's fine um <laughs> back at the ravine that they're all dangling over our trios of heroes are in a tough spot but takama's got no time for that because he's got to have another vision uh, this time he sees Toa Likon, who turns into light and becomes a star. No time to dwell on that, because they are, again, actively falling down into nothingness. Um, they use the power of physics to swing over to a nearby support tower. and It's uh, much farther in the wide shot than it is yeah. when yes. they actually swing over. <laughs> Very <Yeah>. much so. <laughs> Um, it looks like they're gonna fall, but their use of physics works, and they're attached to the tower. Unfortunately, the green guy does fall, but as he falls, he gets wings from his weapon success. Uh, we have seen the second of two transport abilities in this movie. I think he... those are the only two that we see. Yes. Yeah. He also I... hits the wall because he is comic relief, so sometimes we have to see him do goofy things. He is He's still comic relief. And just like with Lewa in the first yeah. movie, spectacularly yeah. racist portrayal. Yeah. <laughs> So in 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 Matanui, the the lay Matorans, uh, they're weird. They're they're interesting, st- like s- quasi Irish ish style of talking, where like they mash two words together to be one word. Uh, it's called tree speak. Uh, here because there are no trees in this city, it's called shoot speak. Like shoot the transport, speak. like the the transport shoots that they're God. in. Uh, but yep. Yeah. Apparently, they're all just weirdly Irish. I don't know. Like, again, it's like the weird halfway house between, like, like things that white people think Native Americans talk like and then a very fierce yeah. Irish accent. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. It's bad. It's, it's so bad. bad. I don't think that this green guy was as bad as Lewa was in the first movie, but it's definitely not great. Like... In terms of how much I heard the accent compared... Maybe it's just that I got too used to it from the last movie, but, like, something about this one think, didn't no, in my think, ear I think hard. you might be right. They kind of, like, tone it down a little bit. It's I think definitely it definitely still t- there a little bit, but I yeah. feel like I the first one... it tones down was... a lot more by the third movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, that it's... was just, like, angsty, so there's not a lot of time for comic yeah, relief. In, in, 
in the earlier sequences when they're in the Coliseum, they like run and they're like, yeah, woohoo. And then Liwa 2 is like, oh, I always wanted to big say that. It's like, just say yell. <laughs> That's a word you can use. <laughs> yeah. God. When they all make it to the ground, Takawa is examining the discs and uh, sure that one of them is bound to be the mask of time when all of the discs begin to glow and merge into a single disc and he just starts adding great discs to each other. It seems that he can put all the great discs together into one. I wonder what this could mean. He then spots Toa Likan's spirit star, which means that he's still alive and declares that they need to save Toa Likan in order to save the others and Metro Nui. Which, uh, sure, I guess we have a different goal than Time Mask now. How do they catch a spirit star? Well, for them, they run and jump on a nearby bug train that's passing <laughs> and hitch a ride. Don't know what it is. It's Why not? Train. Yeah. Inside, there are odd storage containers, and when Takama touches one, he has a vision of a Matoran inside, but its eyes glow red. In reality, though, there is nothing inside these pods. Wipe to the prison, where the... Wait. Actually, a cool a cool thing that I want to bring up. So yeah, not not in lore, uh, but the toy line. Uh, so they, I kind of mentioned in the last movie how I don't know the their thinking of the storyline uh, extends to like the packaging and the marketing. Like canonically, Bionicle is like this allegory for like cells and vitamins yeah. fighting a virus, basically, and so that's why like the the the, mar- kind of the, like the, the packaging looks like yeah. capsules. Um, the caps of them can also sort of be seen and used like in various points uh, throughout, you know, like the storyline. So in so the Toa Mata series, so that's Tahu and Liwa and stuff. Their their caps are like the the shrines. So like the hmm. the, the suva basically, like that Likan gets the all the stones and stuff from. And there are like little peg holes that you can put um, other masks on because the whole point of that first wave is that they're collecting. Uh, great masks basically and like getting themselves more powers this one uh for the metro wave uh two caps can form together to form the matoran sphere which is the which is the the, the thing that the comma touched so i thought that was like a pretty cool yeah, pretty uh, yeah. bit of bit of i don't know integration between <laughs> real life and the lore anyway <laughs> yeah Wipe to the prison where the Turaga tells the Toa some mumbo jumbo about finding yourself before explaining that for escape, the Toa mask powers are needed. He gives them encouragement and we immediately wipe back to the bug train. Oh my God, why are these wipes so fast? Um, there are every scene like of the <laughs> other three in the prison is basically just like Toa complaining, Turaga saying something that sounds wise, but then if you give it like <laughs> two no seconds yeah. of thought, it makes it just doesn't mean anything. And they wipe away and go and back they... to the other three that matter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, I guess this is what we're doing now. It's like huh. the movie really visibly does not know what to do with the other three Toa at no. all. <laughs> it's like, well, we have to have six of them for later, so I guess we'll just have yeah. them be yeah. somewhere else. Uh,. Back with our main trio, the blue one tries to gas up Takama, but he's really down on himself uh, and thinks that Lee Khan got it he's wrong, so making him whiny. a Toa. He complains. <laughs> so insecure. I, he makes he me long, long for the rich character tapestry that is Takua. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this guy is so freaking. He's done. Vakama's done so dirty too, because like he's such, he's actually like a pretty capable leader. Like in the you know, like the novels and the graphic novels and shit. Here though, it's just like we need him to doubt himself until the very end. 
And yeah. so that just means that there's like, and they don't know how to like gradually feed him this idea that he is kind of worth no, something or whatever. No, he doesn't like it's... try and fail things. He just is yeah. really sad the whole time. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the bug train passes the edge of a desert question mark and the trio jumps off they i'm saying desert because that's what the green one called it but really it looks like gray mush um it's spooky and desert well, nighttime so like the lighting okay but weird. nighttime doesn't like gray wash an environment <laughs> that's fair i don't know man I'm trying to throw the the artists and the animators a bone bad it was 2004 respect. it was 2004 this was directed dvd i have bad respect for anyone who <laughs> mastered the craft of animation but that does not mean that i have to have mad respect for the color choices of this movie <laughs> fair enough fair enough yeah um it's spooky and deserted and as they wonder where all the builders are they're attacked by the two evil goons again the green one gets zapped by a can't move electric net thing and the other two rush to his aid when the ground starts to shake what could it be i have no fucking idea because the blue one said a word that meant nothing uh but a bunch of stampeding things show up what are yeah, they so <laughs> so Vakama, so they're Rahi, they're, which is like just animals. Rahi just, you, you can think Rahi equals animals. Gotcha. Um, I thought something I found funny. Uh, I forget who says it. Someone says bioquake, which is obviously very clearly an earthquake, but there's no such thing as earth. So no it's, earth. Oh, no. it's just the biosphere. Oh bio I don't think they even use the uh. word planet either. It's it's I, I think it's called a biosphere. And so, you could have just said oh, quake. Wow. We would have all got it. Yeah, uh, but no, these these beasts are called Kikanalo, like with K's, Kikanalo. Um, and you don't really need to know anything else besides that. They're uh, uh, intelligent animals that have this sort of pack mentality, uh, and they're big rhino-type beasts that you can yeah. also ride and are bipedal. Yes, and they're all stampeding right now. Um, the two goons flee from the stampeding, whatever you just said, and Takama saves our green boy. <laughs> Uh, the two bad guys get, like, crushed by a tower, but they'll be back. Don't worry. Um, yeah. The trio is on the run from the stampede when the blue girl starts to glow and turns to face the stampede, putting her hand out and making them come to a stop. She's activated her mask power. She can talk to the animals who want to know why they're allied with the dark hunters and explains to them that actually all of these guys are on the same side. It's all good. Uh, her power is translation. Here it seems to mostly work as talk to animals. I'm going to allow that. I think this is one of the cooler mask powers in terms <laughs> yeah. of utility. Um, some of these mask powers are pretty OP. Some of these powers are out. crazy, and some of them are like the la One of them is are incredibly so lame, lame, and I felt so bad for him when it <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> we'll I get to it. We'll but... get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, officially, it's it's the mask of translation is what yeah. Nakama has. As someone um, who is constantly yeah. uh, fighting the urge to take the linguist feat in D&D, I liked this mask power a lot. Yeah. Which I think really only means that she can either, like, read obscure scripts and languages or talk to Rahi. Because I don't think it's ever established that anyone speaks any other different language. So Yeah. I assume, like, because she's talking to these animals, like in her mind it seems like so i assume there's some level yeah. of communication with other creatures but yeah, it, it, yeah, the movie doesn't really flush it out we just need to know that she could talk to these guys now um they tell them they tell the toa that the tall matoran take many things to the place of whispers and offer to guide them to it uh and the gang ride the animals and are off into the sunset meanwhile the other toa are doing some training at the behest of the old guy and it is not going well 
He tells them Atoa's duty is to all, regardless of village, and makes the brown one help the other two out. Then we go immediately back to our main trio, who are going to sneak into an evil lair. Then immediately back to the training in the pit, where the black one and it's, brown it's one fast. are about to fight. This cutting is fast. <laughs> so there's, I said there were two main dynamics you really needed to like clock for this movie in terms of the Toa and each other. Um, the black one and the brown one are like always at odds and about to like rumble. And then the green one is always hitting on the blue one. And those are the only, those, that is like the extent of those dynamics in this movie. And Nuju and Vakama are just like sad and mopey. Yeah, they're just Vakama angsty. more than Nuju, but yeah. 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 The brown one then begins to glow. He's activated his mask power. And when he commands the black one to sit, it works. So he has like mind control command he powers? has the mask of he has the mask of mind control which is a Great. wild thing that's nuts OP. that's crazy it's, it's the the amount of effort you have to put into it i believe is proportional to the 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 intelligence of the creature which is why he was like struggling a lot with Wanua. um but later on when he uses it on kreka he has like no problem <laughs> so i have to imagine that like you there can be an intelligence high enough where the mask won't do mm-hmm. a lot for it yeah so yeah but and yeah just, he can just control he can just control beings with his mind so so That's far insane. two pretty good mask powers um yeah. the white one then just because this has happened also starts to glow and shoots a <laughs> beam at the wall and moves the rocks and rubble so is this like telekinesis or it's is this like yeah, yeah. telekinesis yeah. Beam, the laser okay. really like it, sets you yeah. up for the wrong assumption but it's 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 telekinesis yeah, yeah. Uh, great. Three pretty good mask powers. Surely they will all be of this caliber or better. We'll see. So one thing I did, a, a nice little like thing that I that they did that I appreciated was that for some reason I guess Lee Khan knows. Oh well, no, yeah, the masks are known to them. Mm-hmm. So like there there are standard masks like, I, and so it, I think it is known what a mask's mask power will be basically. I don't know if, like, the Toa themselves knew that, but apparently Lee Khan did, because uh, Nuju, the guy whose mask power was telekinesis, his task was basically carrying rocks and putting them in a pile. Um, uh, Anoa, uh, whose power is mind control and was asked to help the others, uh, uh, to help the other two, his mask power is mind control. Mm-hmm. Um when, uh, it's best we'll to save his, his mass power for later yeah. because it's so I, funny I'll, when I'll it comes it, up. I'll preface it by saying that his task was to uh, basically put a blindfold on and lo- learn how to walk. <laughs> so dumb. So, I love it so much. We'll see what that is. But also, they, they seem to sort of correlate mask power with like inner realization of the self, which yeah. to me, I don't yeah. know if it really tracks. But then no. also, like, um, you know, Matau and Nakama activate their mask powers without without needing to really go through any self-realization or whatever. Yeah. I can I can get Nakama because she seems to already be pretty like she's pretty self in tune with her being a toe. Like she's like the most capable toe like right out the gate. Um but then also like the people who are in prison and doing these tasks I don't really see how the task that they're doing is supposed to lead to inner enlightenment and then therefore their mass powers. They just kind of get angry enough that it activates. Yeah, yeah it feels so. like they're more they're really working on like plot requirements more so than yeah. inner needs. Um, yeah. With the two out of three of them activated, though, they walk through the hole in the wall and begin their escape. Meanwhile, the blue gal is on one of the animals serving as a distraction, and the green guy is doing the same as crowds of goons run after both of them. Blue tricks her followers into falling off a cliff, and green, meanwhile, finds himself uh, in front of the two big bad goons. 
Spider-Man and Ogre Boy and begin uh, goes to hide behind a pillar. Uh, the two goons go around to like pincher move him, each sneaking up from one side, but he just gets his mask power activated. And when they each individually show up to where he should be, he is disguised as the other one, uh, just with a glowing face, because his mask power is uh, like shape-shifting. shape-shifting. Yeah, transformation. Yeah. Um, and he still talks in that dumbass shoot still talks speak, that- even yeah. when he's transformed. <laughs> he's quipping yep. the whole time. <laughs> yeah. You you let you must have let him sneak past like ah oh, come on <laughs> yeah also he like looks back at them as he's fleeing like as he leaves the area where they are and quips at them so like any element of surprise he had is completely gone but it seems to be a non-issue. Uh, yeah. Takama is quartered by a bunch of the goons when the animals yell and in doing so come to his rescue. Reunited, the trio leave their mounts and head into a giant rock mask that was that was this Lee one Lee Ken. It was a big. I rock don't know mask. if it is a Bleacon. Uh, it's just some mask-looking thing. I'd have to go back and see. Great. Uh, the animals are all yelling, and that causes a cave-in, which prompts the best line in the movie. Um, <laughs> Takama asks, "If they seal us in, how will we get out?" And the blue one says, "Don't worry, we'll find a way." And we just never think about that again. <laughs> I would argue that the best line in this movie is like in, in a scene prior where. Uh, Lee Khan, he, th- this is when Lee, like during that one, one of those scenes where they're in prison is like when Lee, when they spout their unity, duty, destiny, nonsense stuff again. Yeah. Uh, Lee Khan says nonsense, something about- Nonsense, Noir. Don't blaspheme. It's a core <laughs> tenet of their society. <laughs> Lee Khan says something about duty and then when it was says, this whole thing sounds like a bunch of duty to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah it's the best, it's the best line in the whole I argue franchise. that that is the best line. <laughs> so, uh, I'm glad uh, that they- realized which what that like word the world like. building implications that bionicles defecate <laughs> <That's right. laughs> is lore shattering for that oh dumbass God. joke <laughs> um also the the evil bird sees them enter this rock and reports back to tuma who we see now is definitely not tuma but the evil guy in disguise I love how comically big Makuta's head looks like on like the Turaga's body. <laughs> it it looks it does it looks very out of place. Yeah. Yeah. Um our prison breakers are walking through a shadowy temple when the black one finally is able to activate his mask power. Flashlight. He glows really bright. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I think it's officially so his mask power is night vision which suggests that he himself no. is able to look, to look like Bullshit. like to see clearly in the night. But his mask glows, which they all glow, they but all his glows glow. bright enough to be able to have to let the other one see as well. It's so stupid. <laughs> so which, like, imagine, not... you are, you've just become a great warrior. You see all your buddies are getting their powers. Telekinesis. Mind yeah. control. <laughs> shape-shifting. What's your power? Flashlight. Flashlight. <laughs> so I'd to... be pretty mad about that, personally. In, in slight defense for mask of night vision you can apparently intensify the light bright enough this does this is not how it works physics wise you can apparently intensify the light bright enough that you can see through objects uh to some distance that's what he does in like a later scene that's not how that's not how x-ray works but also uh there is a different mask uh called the mask of x-ray vision you know what else there is there's a mask called the Mask of Light. <laughs> I was going to say, because this not only is so stupid, it cheapens the Mask of Light because it's like, okay, this is like a slightly nicer version 
of the most dumbass mask power in the entire Toa Metru line, which this makes so the Mask sad. of Light seem really, really stupid in context, because it's like, what is the difference between this and yeah. that? Not yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I was so <laughs> underwhelmed. I'm like, surely something more will happen. But no, this is the only time he uses his mask power in the movie. And it, this is all that it does. Uh, he uses he does use it uh, later on uh, in a later scene, and he does it to like to do the the minor X-ray vision part, which again doesn't make sense to me. But I guess they wanted to throw him a bone. I completely. But again, that. there is a there is a mask for X-ray vision. Kopaka uses it. Uh, um, the cool guy from the first film, who <laughs> best is, character, who's the best character because he does not like being in that film. <laughs> <laughs> Was he the fire Toa? He's the, oh, ice, he's guy. the ice, ice guy. Oh yes, I oh love him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm determined to not learn any names over the course of watching these movies. Um, yeah, Taku's the one who's dumb as a rock. <laughs> You're doing great. I've unfortunately learned Takua against my will. Uh, <laughs> Takua, the voice acting in this movie <laughs> is a lot better. Right yeah, I also like production standards-wise, this movie is definitely doing Huge. better than the last one. Um, I looked at the, yeah, I looked at the the voice cast for it. I mean, like a lot of them, a lot of them are still doing voice work for like Ninjago. <laughs> like, so they're still like in the game. You know, mm-hmm. buddy buddy with Lego and stuff like that. I think one of them is the voice actor for L in the dub of 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 Death Note. I forget Good. who, but like, yeah, we got some Canadian heavy hitters here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it looks like they're about to be attacked, but it turns out that it's just the green guy using his mask power to shapeshift and fool the prison breakers, and everyone just reunites. I guess the place that our trio was in is just also the prison, and so now all the Toa are back together again with little to no oh, yeah, explanation. They were looking for Toa Leecon, and so they were following the star to the place uh, with the help of the Kikanalo. And so they found Toa Leecon, who, for whatever reason, was also imprisoned with the other three Toa. Yeah. So, Everyone but yeah. Takama has their mask power, and the trio explains what Noir just said. So they're like, but Toa Leecon isn't here. And then the old man chuckles to himself and says, not exactly, and takes off his hat to reveal that he is, in fact, Taraga Leecon. <laughs> Bitch, you thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, he didn't tell them who he was because they had to discover it for themselves for bullshit old man reasons. And then he <laughs> asks about the heart of Metro Nui. Uh, but they're like, well, we were trying to rescue you. And he's like, no, dude, the Matorin are the heart of Metro Nui. Why do you care about me? Go find them. Uh, Takama has a crisis of self-confidence, which goes and goes to lean on an orb, which begins to glow and reveals that there is a Taraga inside. It's the real Tuma. There's definitely an imposter out there. Obviously, yeah, again, this, this whole place is just plot points. Apparently, plot points. Like they yeah. find the Makuta decided to imprison Leekon, the old Duma, and the three new Toa all in the same place. Apparently. <laughs> and 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 an escape vehicle just just cuz yeah makuda's had a lot of time to think over his evil schemes which is why he's more competent in the second mo- or in, in the first movie <laughs> in the future <laughs> he's, he's competent because he doesn't do anything he just like sends lackeys to do it for him so yeah. it's like well i can't trust myself to make these decisions i keep making <laughs> bullshit <laughs> yeah um from down the hall bad guys are starting to pour into this area so they all flee into a side room there's no escape or is there takama leads them to a conveniently placed vehicle so they can make an exit and also they leave tuma behind they're like we'll come back for him later and then i do not think that they do come back for him later they do outside the, the scope of the movie and like in oh. the general lore he goes back to to ruling metro nui basically hmm. like when they yeah so the, the end of the first movie is them basically reopening the path between Matanui and Metru Nui. 
this movie canonically is Vakama telling them, like the Matoran, mm. like and Takanuva and those people at the end of the first movie, the tale of Metru Nui, basically. Um, and then when they were like after the, the scope of these three movies, when they return to Metru Nui, Taragaduma is back in leadership and sort of like has the city back up and running for them. Mm. Yeah. Meanwhile, in Metro Nui, the Matoran are called together in the arena by Duma to gather in the Colosseum for unknown reasons. Uh, as the Toa drive to Metro Nui, they bond, green one flirts with blue, brown and black fist bump, all is well with our respective relationship arcs. Um, Which again, yeah. I think Greg Farshti never, I, I think he explicitly was like, nah, they can't, they do not have romantic, like, tendencies they should not yeah. but then like twice twice different now. writers Both of the movies. bionicle are like they're like well we, we have what a they girl someone <laughs> yeah, has to be interested yeah. in the girl <laughs> yeah i do like how she's pretty like stalwart and like bit... no she just kind of ignores <laughs> yeah, him no. which i respect uh, a pretty scathing line and like what is it like vakama's not the only one who has like yeah. visions <laughs> yeah. oh yeah <laughs> Um, landing, no, I appreciate that about her. Yeah. Landing in the city, the Toa and Likan rush into the Colosseum, where Tuma immediately reveals that he is Makuta, wasting no time to get to his big plan, which is to put all the Mator into sleep and then be their leader. I was really unclear, other than, I don't know, he's doing evil stuff. Yeah, so the Matoran, uh, the Matoran spheres are memory wiping. That's why the Matoran have no recollection of, Met- of, of Metro Nui after, after mm. the fact. And so what he was going to do was put all of the Matoran into spheres, um, let it wait long enough to properly erase enough uh, time so that when they then awoke, uh, he would basically like be like, hey, welcome back. I'm your leader and I always have been. That's basically like his plan. The and- reason why he wants the, the Mask of Time is to accelerate that process. Um, was he, any of this communicated yeah. in the movie itself? Because I missed all of that, if so. Yeah, in the, in the beginning spiel, like, the Makuta, like, had this plot to put the Great Spirit to sleep uh, and the Matoran and then wake up as its conqueror. That does not translate to the spheres are memory wiping and the mask of time can be used to accelerate this. <laughs> that, part, that part was not communicated. That is true. That was a key yeah. component missing from my understanding of the villain's motivations <laughs> in this movie. Um, Fair enough. Also, he's already impersonating their leader, so I don't super get why he doesn't just keep doing that. <laughs> Add infinitum because well, he seems Makuta capable of it. can't self-actualize if if he's in disguise. He has to really be himself. Yeah, I think he also is like, I want to be in charge, not me disguised as Taragaduma. I want them worshiping Makuta, not yeah. Taragaduma. Mm, Which apparently thing. is yeah, yeah. Apparently, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Uh, Takama and the other Toa try to find the Matoran and see, this is where the X-ray vision comes in, that they're all in capsules yeah. below the Colosseum, a thing that they could have found out by walking down a flight of stairs. No, but His they decide to burst so out. Lame. It's, 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 <laughs> it's so funny. <sighs> Poor Wenoa. I know. I he doesn't even do a lot in this movie. No, like, he oh. exists to be uh, <laughs> like kind of rivals with the brown Toa and yeah. Glow. Um, meanwhile, Makuta starts glowing and in a bunch of, is in a bunch of lightning. Uh, meanwhile, the Toa are reached the Matoran and they begin to load a bunch of them up on their ride and they're like, we can't fit them all. We'll, we'll come back for the rest later. Um, Makuta becomes a red ominous cloud as the Toa drive away. Two goons show up to attack their ride one more time and the Toa once more fight them off, throwing them into the red cloud, which like assimilates them into Makuta or something. Uh, yeah, so it's like an energy claw thing yeah and 
yeah, but what you said basically, you can take their energy and absorb it into and and help and and change your like physical like yeah. Words are failing me right now. You can change how you look apparently as well because like you 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 take on aspects. It of looks like their when appearance. the uh, Matorian became the Toa kind of thing. So it's it's like transformation yeah. in the same way. Fair enough. Um, reaching their Toa Stone Temple, the gang do a little cliff diving and drive their now swimming car away to safety from the bridge guards. Uh, Takama is making a mask when Green tells him to accept that he doesn't have to do that anymore because he's a Toa now, not a mask maker. And he finally puts together how to make the mask of time. We go through all of his flashbacks all over again, but this time, Likon tells him to follow the light and he figures something out and the... <laughs> I guess he can make the mask of time now. Um, this is the funniest thing about that is Vakama has this... He acts like there's this big revelation, but what he says was, time, that's what the false Turaga wanted, which should not be a revelation to him. It is what he, he has been asking for the whole at, like, since the beginning of the movie. The whole goddamn movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess he got like, I guess he got out of his like little mopey funk to kind of like have the plot catch up to him. So and By the plot catching up so. to him, do you mean him flashing back to all the footage they'd already animated for all the flashbacks with one or two extra shots added in? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that, yeah, that's literally yeah. him getting caught up to the plot. There we go. It's like, oh, that's what we've been doing for the last hour? Yeah. Oh, jeez. I've just been, like, in this weird echo chamber being all, like, self-deprecating. It's so sad. Yeah. The white Toa wasn't around, so someone had to be holding down the angst for our trio. Yeah, seriously. There's only three personalities that any Toa can have, so if we split up into teams of three, we won't double up. <laughs> Nooch is not even all that angsty. No. He's just like... It's just sad. He's, just, he's despairing because he's in prison, which is a reasonable thing to despair about. Yeah. As they sail through the ocean, Makuta appears and tells them to perish. Uh, also, he has wings now. And the uh, real sea of protodermis around them starts to go crazy. Just like their earlier Colosseum defeat, uh, they gotta dodge the terrain again. This time, they're a well-oiled machine and able to follow the light well enough to get Takama up to Makuta. But in the process, their ship is flipped over and the Matoran capsules flip out of the ship luckily fucking everything floats so this seems to be no hindrance whatsoever totally fine <laughs> barely an inconvenience except everything floats except for the mask of time except for the mask of time uh takama yeah. pulls out the mask of time to face bakuda who monologues about how if he could have many destinies if he just joined the evil side but takama only wants one destiny and puts on the mask of time you'll remember the destiny is one of the core tenets of the bionicle franchise and the bionicle society it has not really come up in this movie so far but <laughs> anyone who has seen the first one will remember that it is critical to the plot <laughs> Makuta shoots an evil red hand beam, but Takama uses the Mask of Time to do nothing, and Likon sacrifices himself instead to save Takama from getting hit by this hand. So this is like one of the two uses of the Mask of Time in the entire Bionicle franchise. Uh, and what happens canonically is that Vakama tries to slow Makuta down, but because he can't control the Mask of Time, he also slows himself down. So mm. it, it did nothing. It did nothing. It's <laughs> so stupid. It's so stupid. The effect happened in the movie, and I'm like, surely this is going to be a big moment. And then I'm like, oh, well, it kind of is, uh, but it's not a big moment in the direction that I expected it to be, given how much people thinking, have talked about this goddamn yeah. mask in this goddamn movie. I remember when I was younger, like watching it and rewatching it i would like find myself at moments being like what did the mask of time do because like it didn't do the thing that i thought it would but it can't 
it can't just do nothing. Surely it has to be powerful enough, powerful enough to do something. It has the power to <laughs> wow. fly over the edge of the cliff and sink it to the bottom of the sea. <laughs> mm-hmm. Makuta goes running after it this time, actually. Likon dies and hands his mask to Takama, having made his final sacrifice. And with this uh, great moment, Takama's mask finally glows. He has his power, which is going to be some epic ability that's going to change the tide of the fight and like really just give him the power to be the true leader of the Toa and take on Makuta on his own terms. Uh, and so he turns fucking invisible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is a metaphor for his insecurities and wanting to disappear. It is also yeah, I mean, like, stupid yeah. as hell. It's all, a cool power out of context, yeah. but in yeah. context where someone already has shapeshifting as an ability and yeah. it's you are this guy's like the protagonist of this movie. I'm like, you gotta you gotta give me something more yeah. bionical. All of all of the mask powers kind of correlate with, with their personalities. Like Matao is a, is like a jokey trickster, so he has shapeshifting, Nakama is a teacher. Um, and is the most effective at communicating with the group, and so she has translation, yada yada. Onua, uh, Onua is very egotistical and always wants to t- impose his opinion on others, and so he has mind control, stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Blue, you're absolutely right. Vakama is shy and insecure, so he has invisibility <laughs> as his power. Uh, they said the powers were based on one of your traits. They didn't say it would be one of your good traits. <laughs> well... They call me illuminating, so my mask power is a flashlight. <laughs> <sighs> it's such a bad power. Like, if that Poor one guy. didn't exist, I think invisibility would have been an even lamer to me. But because I had already seen yeah. that one of the powers was flashlight, I was like, no, I'll your, take it. It's what's your ranking? Good. What's your, like, best, uh, to, best to... Worst? Like, I'm going to go worst to best, because I feel like that's easier to build out, right? Sure. Yeah. Worst, yeah, yeah, yeah. flashlight. Yep. Yeah. Then probably invisibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Then, then it gets tough. Because I'm trying to remember what the other ones were. <laughs> I would say translation is honestly like the third word. Yeah, I think it's, I'm going to go translation because it's useful situationally. It's effective in that scenario. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it's not always going to apply. Um, then we have shapeshifting, telekinesis, and fucking mind control. I'm going to go telekinesis, shapeshifting, mind control. Yeah. I yeah, feel like mind yeah, control, strong enough will, probably going to be really, really great universally. Shapeshifting, you could do a lot of good like utility with that. And as much as mm-hmm. I like telekinesis, we don't see it used enough to like yeah. give it that edge yeah. over shapeshifting. Yeah. Like fucking mind control. Fucking mind control <laughs> is just one of them. Uh, yep. Makuta has the what? mask of time when he comes back up to the top of the cliff, but Takama uses his disc shooter to shoot a disc and perfectly knock the mask of time into the ocean where it sinks out of the movie forever. So don't worry that it was back for a moment because it's really just so deeply, deeply irrelevant to the rest of the film. There is a there is a novel, I think, that is focusing on the on the, the mask of time. So what happens basically is like Vakama comes back to Metro Nui to, to, to get to, to try and find the mask of time. Um, it is established in that book. I think that like all the like the three really of the three really great masks uh life creation and and time if that given mask were to break or be destroyed uh the aspect that it controls also would be destroyed and so what actually happens is that when Vakama is like out there swimming uh the mask of time uh had a crack in it and so there was like this aura of like accelerated time around um the mask of time in the water and so i think he was like seeing fish like age rapidly and die and so he had to fix the mask of time uh 
ad hoc underwater because if it were to break then like all of time would collapse at once and i think be like shouldn't that have made the fucking mask Hood. then vakama huh yeah i, I don't fucking know it's it's it's, it's too playing much, with fates beyond our control it's too much risk for like the like the lack of use it gets yeah, yeah. it doesn't because he doesn't even need it to beat makuta spoiler you'll beat makuta no it's like the way that first of all the way they do it i made me so sad but uh very stupid <laughs> well why don't we just get to it makuda is yeah. like lamenting that now it will take a lifetime to find both of their destinies which i guess is the you know his whole plan to wait for the matoran to forget things uh and he attacks takama who uses his invisibility to dodge and he begins to this part was kind of neat he lures makuda to attack different rocks by hiding behind them and making a sound and then running away while invisible um and he uses this to lead makuda to a different larger pillar where he finally reveals himself Makuta tries his arm magic thing again, but this time it sends a really giant rock crumbling down on him, and Makuta, laying there all busted up, asks Takama how he could defeat him alone, and the rest of the Toa, who have done nothing up until now in this fight, turn up and say that he's not alone, and they all shout unity and make a magical <laughs> seal that traps Makuta in a crystal or something. This is where I think the bullshit of it all came in for me. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I'm, yeah, like, so I'm kind apparently... of on like, okay, cool, Takama is able to use his own like cleverness and ability to actually win this fight. He didn't need the mask of time after all. I still think that that is a really annoying MacGuffin to have around, but I understand the like arc here. And then everyone else just turns up and it actually, it, it was all of them all along. Haha. <laughs> Not even like, yeah, Bakama did all the heavy lifting there and it was just yeah. kind of them. Like the only reason why Makuta stayed still long enough for them to trap him in and crystallized protodermis, I think is what it ends up being. Yeah. Um, uh, is because of Bakama. Yeah, that's yeah. the whole reason why they were able to do that in the first it, place, but whatever. It it seems so weird the way they structure this sequence, because the bit where, like, Vakama lures Makuta over to one rock and then throws a rock over at the far one, like, you'd think that's the one where Makuta, like, turns around, doesn't look at what he's grabbing, grabs the big rock and then squishes himself. Stupid yeah. that he gets blue, squished by a big rock, and that's monologue. why... But yeah. it's it, that happens, and it's just a regular old rock. And then Vakama just stands there in the middle of, of this rock and just jumps out of the way, and then Makuta gets squished, and that's what does it. <laughs> I, I am astounded that it took Makuta that many tries to think to himself, maybe I shouldn't <laughs> be grabbing every pillar They where hadn't sound fallen is on him yet. He hadn't learned his lesson. <laughs> yeah. God. So anyway, they they trap him in like crystallized protodermis, protodermis. whatever the yeah. f- whatever yeah. the hell. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. as they do it, six spirit stars appear in the sky. They've finally actually become Toa. They haven't been this whole time. Now they are. Uh, they carry them. Oh. Actually, a point that we had sort of glossed over uh, when when Taragaduma as Makuta as Taragaduma was. Uh, like fire and lightning lightning was sort of occurring and everything was kind of being all stormy or whatever you see the shot of like what seemed to be like twin suns like crescenting and closing those yeah. are the giant robot Matanui's eyes like yeah. actually closing <laughs> it, it, in the in the in the first mask of light they mention how Makuda like tricked Matanui into entering a deep slumber this is that moment this is called the great cataclysm um and what Vakama says in the first movie uh, is like total revisionist history because it, it happened within his time and not like <laughs> met like eons ago or whatever. Yeah. Like Vakama makes it seem like he's not directly involved in the events of, of Makuta sleeping 
uh, Matanui, but no, he is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Toa all carry anyway. the Matoran capsules and put them all on a beach. Uh, this is Matanui. They so then he, sacrifice he, so their power okay, okay. for the Matoran yeah. to so wake them a... up. They become the old robots in the process. They wake up like six Matoran, maybe. I mean, they have. There's. It seems that so, they do one and then they become old. So I don't understand how they could wake up more than six of them. Uh, <laughs> I think they suggest that all of the pods are there, like on the, like that beach. Yeah. And I guess for in rendering wider shots at the whatever. very end, you see more than six Matoran. So I have to assume yeah. there are more of them. But what happens? Like, the, the way that you see this happen. Them. Yeah, yeah. It it, it like connect, it, like connects to more of them. They but, touch yeah. one pod so, and they become an old man. <laughs> no, so it, it's a, it's a power that like arcs and and like uh, creeps to to other ones. And I so guess. there's like a cluster of them that get yeah. turned into Matoran. Th- this one actually makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So point of order, actually. Uh, a few months span between that shot of them like entering the cave carrying the individual Matoran uh, spheres and the shot of them on the island. Uh, there are a number of other adventures that happen, namely because I think in the movie they say, we can't save all the Matoran, we can't put them all in this car, so let's just take six. So they eventually have to come back for the rest of them. Uh, the events of which are covered in the third movie. Um, third entire movie, which takes place so... in the middle <laughs> of this yeah. other one. Yeah, so chronologically what it is, is... Most of the second movie, and then right before the very end, most of the third movie, and then all of the first, uh, and then and then the last of the second movie, all of, most of the first, they like do this like, I'm telling a story thing, so we're cutting back and forth between flashbacks and stuff like that. But yeah, I think, I think the Toa have like, a few months as Toa, where they do go on random various adventures, the... Uh, and then they gather all of the Matora and they fulfill their great destiny. They give up their Toa powers to become Turaga. And then between the events of that last scene in the second movie and then the first movie where we pick up, uh, a thousand years have elapsed. <laughs> yeah. Toa for months! Turaga for a thousand, a thousand years have elapsed. Years. Notably, because uh, yeah. in this last scene, Takama tells the Matoran that they're on an, the island of Mount Nui, named for the Great Spirit. And also, like, fucking Takua is there. Yeah, Takua's yeah. one of the. Yeah. Takua and. So, fun thing about Takua, actually. Both there. So, I think. In, hanging in the, out in the prominently first... in the foreground. <laughs> In the first movie, Takua is, like, uh, described and characterized as, like, this roamer. I think I might have said this already. I don't know. He described it as this roamer. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, like, the Vakama decides to, like, be, hey, it's actually, like, make you useful and, like, put the wandering to use and, like, just write everything down. I think he was the same deal in Metru Nui as well, uh, in which he was, like, I think supposed to be some merchant, but he just kind of, like, fucked off and did a bunch of other stuff instead. Good. Great. Yeah. So he's always been the same. This is also the end of the movie. Um, that's mm-hmm. Bionicle Two Legends. Well, well no, not yet. They, they, there's because one Takua, little. There, there's Takua, one little oh, little yeah. Matoran who doesn't have a mask. Yeah, so then Vakama's like, oh, I've got the mask from my my dead friend and former Toa, and gives him uh, Toa Likon's mask, and then it like very weirdly looking like kind of <laughs> shrinks and morphs into the the previous movie's graphics for yeah. the the yeah. mask uh, that Jaller has. That, that mask now in canon in my mind is the mask of noble sacrifice because both characters that we've seen who've worn it have had to make a noble sacrifice for a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 
Canonically, it's a mask of shielding. It's the same mask that Tahu has, Not very actually. good, apparently. It's not very good. <laughs> uh, another interesting thing that uh, the people who did Bionicle did, uh, there are, like, three main Toa teams that are covered, like, in the entire run. Um, there is Toa Mata, which is, like, Tahu and Leo or whatever. Toa Metru, which is Vakaman, like, the people that we're just focusing on now. And then there's the Toya, uh, the Toa Voya, or uh, Inaika. No. I don't remember. Uh, it's like the third wave, uh, where they get all super edgy uh, in the yes, marketing and the stuff. That's where the all, it's where the All-American Rejects one, Move Along commercial comes in. I'm sorry, in. what? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. There's this, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. So the next wave after the Metro Nui wave. Yeah, this um, is not a joke. <laughs> the, the, the next wave after the Metro Nui wave uh, focuses on like a separate island entirely called Voya Nui. Uh, what's interesting about this is that what's first introduced both in story and like as the toys go are not the Toa, but these other like evil looking creatures called Paraka. Uh, they are like characterized as like bad boy gangsters. And in the marketing, like, <laughs> like the text is like graffiti text basically. Yep. And like, they're all just like, fucking off and like I I recognize acting these like, ones acting like bad boys what happens canonically is that the paraka arrive on voyanui and act as if they are the toa to the matoran there and so there's this period of time where the matoran are like yeah we have our protectors they're kind of mean and like seem really self-centered but they say that they're toa so they must be and then the second wave is like the actual toa um they're fighting them uh and in that commercial where they introduce the toa inaika uh, the All-American Rejects move along, move along like you always do plays, and it's like very rock, edgy, whatever. <laughs> this isn't canon to the Bionicle lore, but they claim it is. The marketing uh, did like a sweepstakes to like go to an All-American Rejects concert, and the way that they framed it was the Paraka have kidnapped the All-American <laughs> Rejects. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So there was a period of time when uh. <laughs> American institution, all American rejects, is canon to the Bionicle universe. Oh my god. Anyway, yeah. That's uh, about those... where I fell off the Bionicle wagon. <laughs> but the, the Toa and Nika actually are Toa that we have already, are, are used to Mimitorian that we've already seen. Jaller is one of the Toa. Holly, who is that blue Toa who's kind of like flirting with Jaller, is another one. Um, uh, so the, the the green Matoran that the bounty hunters were like dangling when, when they were like reverse the flow of the shoots like earlier in this movie, mm -hmm. he's one of the Toa. Like, uh, all right. Anytime the, we had a character who had a line, they get to be a Toa now. No shit. That is exactly what happens. <laughs> and honestly, it's kind of a smart move on their part because it yeah. has this like sense of continuity of being like, oh yeah, I knew them back when they were Matoran. I'm still invested now. Except yeah. that then they got edgy, and I was like. Eh. Awesome. Well, yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So that's this movie. I guess we're moving into the closing thoughts portion of this podcast. Um, is there a situation you'd recommend people watch this movie in? Did you like it? Is it good? What What are some of these closing thoughts we got here? I think we might need to to tackle this question in the opposite order because for me, like, do I think this movie is good? The way that I would describe it is I think that on, on every like technical level, it is an improvement over the first movie. The yeah. animation's better, the voice acting's better, mm -hmm. the, the story pacing is, the, is better, the story the is better more cohesive, written yeah. substantially. 
but it's not as fun as the first no, movie. That's my big first time, like, movie is much more enjoyable I to do watch. I think the first one is a more fun. Like if you're gonna watch just one of them, which if you're gonna watch any of them, just watch the first one. The the order. If if you're into the lore of it, the order that I would recommend is two like two three one as far as like not watching order but like yeah. how much I would want to recommend it. But if you're just like if you're Sophia basically, hey, if you if you want to go in for a fun time, it is absolutely one two three. I would argue that you don't need to watch three at all. It is just a really sad time. You thought that Vakama was angsty and whiny in this one. Yeah. Uh, that's like ramped up to eleven in the third one. Uh, <laughs> But, and that's all the movie is. Yeah, it, it really is astounding that this movie is like in so many ways so much better, but manages to be you know, so be empty most... and bland otherwise. This is why I think I like a lot of like very campy movies because you can be the most technically proficient movie in the world, but if your story is confusing or lacking yeah. in some way, it's still not going to be a fun time. Um, the first movie yeah. is just so endearing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the first movie, I think, like, it's just got some, like, ch- it's so inscrutable that it circles around to almost being charming. Maybe yeah. those are the rose-tinted glasses of having done it on this podcast, like, a, a month ago, but still. Sophia, now you have bionicle nostalgia, too. You're no! in this. <laughs> You're gonna have... Here, here's oh. the most damning thing Don't I can say, say about the I second bionicle hear. movie, is that... In, like, third grade, we had to do, like, creative writing projects, so for one of them I decided that I would retell the second Bionicle movie in, like, No shit, rows. I did the same thing in second grade. Oh one brain cell, one, one soul. And yeah. I, I started writing the plot of the movie, and I got to, like, the Colosseum scene, and I was like, chapter three, are they fake Toa or real? I spelled that whole thing out as the chapter title. And then I wrote that scene, and I was like, I don't really want to write the middle of this. It's kind of boring, so I <laughs> yeah. skipped in my notebook five whole pages thinking I'll fill it in later and then cut to the showdown with Vakama and Makuta at the very end. So like the entire year in third grade, there were five empty pages of like, I don't care about what happens in the middle. I just want to get to the end. (laughs) But honestly, that's kind of the same in the first one as well, except that in the first one, it's not like angsty and whiny and them like arguing who they are or whatever. There is some of that in the first one, but most of it is just kind of, oh, let's go to fun place and meet fun character and uh, interact with them. So I think that's that's part of what makes it uh, sort of more enjoyable to watch because it definitely gets angstier as the movies progress, and then it goes yeah. on an uptick mm. in the fourth movie. There's a fourth. There's one? a fourth movie. There's a fourth one. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Noir, were yeah. you about to say something before I interrupted with the uh, with my third grade backstory? Because Sophia was saying, "Don't you dare say it," and I missed whatever that I was. Thought you were oh. oh God, go if for it! If you come to us. <laughs> Saying that you had a dream that you were in a in a toy store or a warehouse of Bionicle and you dreamed that you were purchasing one, uh, or like there there was like a, a toy store that had racks of like unreleased new Bionicle sets that make sense in Dream World but doesn't make sense outside of it. Uh, if you come to us with that, then you have you will have fully become the fucking. Yeah. Bionicle, but the warehouse dream is a known thing among <laughs> Bionicle fans that multiple <laughs> multiple people have dreamed of. Oh. Me being one of them. No. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> there have been forums where it's like, has anyone else also had this dream? And they're like, yes. <laughs> what is this? What's happening? <laughs> You're receiving visions from an angry god. Oh, uh, I said god. no because I thought you were gonna say like, if if we make you watch the third movie, which. <laughs> Equally terrifying to me <laughs> as the way. I 
So everyone who's been screaming, like, you know, like, they released the bonk cut, watch Bionicle 2 or whatever, take it, I'm okay with not watching. I'll, I'll, I'll gladly talk about the third and even the fourth one. Oh, I'm okay boy. with not, not talking about those <laughs> to, to the audience. Just let's, let's imagine that Bionicle ended with, like, the Toa Mari, like, the sea people, uh, and then everything else after that is just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. But as far as a scenario to watch this movie, I think really the the winning viewing order for this is to and and this may not be correct, but I feel like like the the thing that strikes me is that you you get some friends together, you start watching the second movie, starting to drink and then get vehemently drunk in time to yeah, start the first movie and I, have the time of your life. I'm with Blue on this one in That's that the way good. to watch this movie yeah. is with friends. Unless you are already yourself a massive Bionicle fan, I do not think this is like a sit-down movie night kind of thing. But if you need background noise for you and your boys, maybe at least one of them is nostalgic for the real deal, then you could turn yeah. this on. I, I don't want to say like, you should go watch this movie in the way that sometimes I do when we have a bad movie that's still fun because I don't think that watching it alone, if you're not already <laughs> deeply invested, is going to be a yeah. good time. But I think, I think I'm sure you could make a fun movie night out of it with some buds if you had someone like Noir who knew everything already. <laughs> I think it's accurate to say that this is like pretty decent background material because before I had to watch this like rewatch this again for the movie struck the last time i watched it was because i was pulling an all-nighter doing homework and i just needed something running in the background this so did I decided feel like reading just... the silmarillion in some ways so i did i, I did just yeah. like binge all three uh like of the first is uh, the fourth one like the godfather movies. three where we all just don't pretend it exists it happened late enough that the nostalgia has worn off for me mm. at least but this is when the reveal that Matsunui is like an actual physical robot that everyone else has been living in is the thing. So what happens is that Matsunui awakens and then is immediately possessed by Makuta, who then takes the spirit of Matsunui, puts it in the Mask of Life, and jettisons it off into another planet. Uh, it turns out that... The, is the, that why there's the gladiator planet in the later that's ones? That's the gladiator God planet. God damn it! So the, the, <laughs> this, the bionicle symbol which is like the, the two little swirlies on the side and then the three things in the center, that's like the actual, that's literally the Bionicle world. Like uh, the, the, most of the Bionicle story happens in the biggest circle, uh, which is like an aqua planet. Uh, there's another one that's like totally like jungle and foresty. And then the third one is like just bare desert, which is where the fourth one takes place. Because again, I guess CGI, they wanted everything to be flat. Um, but yeah, that fourth movie deals with the spirit of Matanui inhabiting the mask, becoming a Toa, or like becoming its own figure, and then having to navigate this new world that of, of creatures, not, not called Matoran, I think they're called Agori, uh, and quintessentially different than Matoran. They are not like, mechan like biomechanical or whatever. They are fully organic beings and they can fuck. Uh, <laughs> oh no! I don't like this. That, that is that is that, that is a thing. Everyone that disliked so, that. Yeah. Uh, and so that's basically the fourth one. It's like removed enough where you don't need to watch the first three to understand it, and then arguably you don't need to watch it. <laughs> um, because that that whole story, that's the whole story. It doesn't even get to like the, the, there's this overarching idea that Matsunui has to get back to the original planet to you know take control back of his own body. Um, they end the movie right when they're starting the process to do that. And then they 
Yeah. So that's another movie that exists out there. Uh, I'm glad that you guys came back for the second one. I think this is a good time. I'm glad to know that the, somehow I think we've inadvertently become three of the biggest Bionicle influencers out there just by virtue of being people who have talked about yeah. Bionicle twice now. Indeed, yeah. uh, <laughs> But thank you guys again for joining me on this this episode. I had a lot of fun. Um, yeah. If folks want to hear more from you, where can they find you guys? I don't know, Blue. You're pretty obscure. Where are uh, you? Yeah, I, I really need the clout. Um, let's <laughs> you want to be more uh, bionically influenced? Where you at? <laughs> uh, overly sarcastic productions uh, on YouTube, and uh, uh, instead of instead of going to watch those, just go watch the first movie struck uh, for the the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the Mask of Light. If you haven't seen it already, do that instead. <laughs> yeah, uh, wherever you find Sophia, you can usually find me. Uh, I've been in a few movie strikes in the past. I have a D&D show with Sophia called Rolling with Difficulty that you can find me on. Uh, I crop up in a couple OSP videos. And if people want Bionicle-specific content from you, do they just tweet Twa- at Twitter, you? Twitter, yeah, tweet at me. I will attempt to, <laughs> to answer it. I, there are some pretty cool things that I discovered. There are apparently Bionicle artists, uh, comic uh. artists out there. There was like a Thor comic, I want to say, where some of the background mechanics are just Bionicle pieces. Wow. And that's nice. pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, but thank you guys for joining me. Um, we're off to assemble a mask that will do nothing. Um, but until next time, thanks for listening. Have a good one. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Movie Struck. We'll be back on April 10th with another thrilling installment. But if you've got any questions, comments, or concerns for the podcast before then, feel free to email us at moviestruckpod at gmail.com. You can also access our MovieStruck Discord server for even more fun discussions about films and more. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes below. And I'd like to give a special thank you to the patron who joined us back in February. Thank you, Stephen Justice and everyone else on Patreon for supporting the podcast. I'm so sorry for laughing a little bit. A cat just fully jumped onto my head. Uh, so I think that is my cue to sign off the podcast to keep you all.